Before starting this episode of Season 2 of the Untold Stories of Open Source, I'd like to thank the thousands of listeners who joined us for Season 1. It's gratifying to know people are finding value in these stories, which leads me to a request. If you find our show useful or entertaining, please recommend us to two friends or mention us on your social media stream. It's the best way we know of to grow our community. Thanks in advance for your support. Enjoy the show. Have you ever facing when you're trying to talk with the managers and the business people on why you cannot do certain things and they're still saying, but this is just pressing a button. There's people that can better communicate and speak the language of both. I usually say that I'm a hybrid. That is the word I use to describe my role when I speak the language in both sides. I usually say I'm a hybrid, she says. In this context, what does that even mean? What is a hybrid? You are listening to the Untold Stories of Open Source, this week coming to you from the Linux Foundation office in New York City. Each week, we choose an open source project or a person behind a popular open source project to uncover its untold stories. Since you work with open source, and you do, whether you know it or not, you're in the right place. According to the Oxford Language Dictionary, a hybrid is a word formed from elements taken from different languages. For example, let's take television. Television from Greek and vision comes from Latin. If we use that as our definition, Anna Jimenez has a good reason to call herself a hybrid. She can speak the language of the business world as well as that of the developer domain. Anna holds a master's degree in data science and a bachelor's degree in marketing. Her journey to open source began at the Universidad Rey Juan Carlos in Mostolos, Spain, on the southwest outskirts of Madrid. In 2017, she spent a year at the University of California, Riverside, studying consumer behavior before returning home to Mostolos to get her bachelor's degree in marketing and master's degree in data science. When it comes to getting visibility for their work, most engineers working on open source projects aren't thinking about the science of human behavior or marketing. They want to address a problem, apply their knowledge to create the technology, and create something useful for themselves. Anna understands that because it was something she did at the beginning of her career. I understand most of them comes from the engineering world and they focus on creating things. They don't see maybe, is it useful for the consumer? Is it useful for the final client? They just really want to create something and they have fun doing it. I really understand that because when I studied data science, for instance, I also was on that side on let's create things because I really want to create that. I don't know if it's going to be useful or not, but let's create it. There is often a disconnect for people in business who have never worked with code. 
Sometimes there's a misunderstanding of the complexity engineers have to deal with for what is perceived to be a simple business request. For business people that didn't get their hands dirty with transforming the data and playing with the data, it's hard for them. They don't empathize with that because they don't get the chance to go to a project and to test that and to see if it works. Anna was a software marketing strategist at Petergia in Madrid after her time in Riverside, but she didn't want to keep the engineering process at a safe distance. You know, you're in marketing. I'm in development. Why don't you just play your role, okay? She knew some programming languages like JavaScript, but she also knew that that wasn't enough. She wanted to learn more. All the tooling they were developing that was 100% open source was made with Python. So I really wanted to learn Python because I was also managing, doing some DevRel work there, having data science knowledge in the marketing role was useful because there is a gap that I've seen in non-tech roles and tech roles that is this lack of communication. Anna did what many wouldn't do or would be afraid to do. She went back to school to get her master's degree, diving headfirst into data science at the Universidad of Rey Juan Carlos, the same university where she earned her marketing degree. It was a familiar place, but she was in uncharted territory, as she was soon to be told. My professors told me the first time, all our students here come from an engineering background. This doesn't mean that you cannot do it, but please be aware of that because it's going to be twice as difficult for you that comes from marketing. Even though you already have knowledge in programming, you have some certain knowledge on open source, and your company has been mentoring you quite well, it's going to be difficult. It was difficult. Anna gained some hard-earned empathy during her pursuit. She realized firsthand how difficult coding was. Something seems to work and suddenly it would break. Data types don't always mix as smoothly as business managers and users would like. End users take for granted a function that works with the press of a button. They have a tendency to underestimate the weeks of effort and the countless headaches that went into making that button work. Anna wanted to experience the other side to help bridge this gap of communication. Maybe it was coincidence, but Ray Juan Carlos' master's programs included open source tools and environments. For Anna, the curriculum aligned with their growing interests in open source. Most of the tooling we were using was open source. In Spanish universities, that is quite rare because they usually use like proprietary software when doing these things. We even have like a GitHub course. It was crazy, like in data science, spending time to also get into open source tooling and environments. Anna was now able to communicate in both the realm of marketing and the domain of data science, a true hybrid. She was in a unique position to help bridge the communication gap with her newly achieved cross-domain communication superpowers. But to steal a phrase from Uncle Ben Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. So Anna got to work. Her initial focus was on metrics. Developers needed tools to measure the impact their work had on open source projects. 
when I did my final thesis in data science, I was into DevRel and I found that in DevRel world, developer relations roles, the metrics, it was some kind of pain points. They had metrics, but they didn't know how to measure it. They didn't have a tool to measure certain things. So it was like, I think measuring third-party developers' contributions in a project, it's needed. There wasn't a lot of tools out there. So instead of doing regular data science project, I focus on a need. They need metrics to measure their value and their impact on the communities of open source projects. So I focus that study on creating some kind of tooling with existing open source tooling, of course, and gather data and do a analysis more focused on that need rather than just create things. I have colleagues that they were just like, let's apply a technology, let's create something super cool, but there is no clear how is this project or this tooling helping others. One example use case she came up with was the use of data visualization. Instead of looking at raw data, the tool creates a visual representation of the data that tells a story. This is the kind of thing that helps bridge the gap between engineering and marketing. Visual stories help marketers understand what their engineering coworkers have been working on. They can then use those stories to communicate to consumers. listening to the story of just one of the 700 projects supported by the Linux Foundation. We are much more than Linux. Projects such as the Open Source Security Foundation, ONAP, Kubernetes, Hyperledger, and RISC-V all call the Linux Foundation home. If you're looking to contribute to an open source project, there are dozens that can use your help. If you have a project that needs support, bring your project to the Linux Foundation and have full access to the support resources we can provide. At the Linux Foundation, we help open technology projects build world-class open source software, hardware, data, and standards communities. We'd like yours to be one of those communities. Go to linuxfoundation.org to get started. That's linuxfoundation.org. Marketing and data science aren't the only languages Anna speaks. She's fluent in Spanish and English. Knowing English comes in handy in the tech world. You need to go to the documentation and you need to take tutorials. Of course, those are in English. Even though the whole career is in Spanish, at some point, knowing English is something that makes sense to know because if you want to explore more, you need to understand the technologies you have to use. And those technologies seem to be documented in English. You need to know English. Still, 
there's an added benefit to having documentation in multiple languages. Bridging small gaps in a developer's understanding can go a long way in the world of open source. Diversity is also great because it's a way for people that maybe are struggling with English to actually fully understand everything. Even me, I'm not native speaking English, even though I understand most of all the documentation in English, maybe there are some slightly things that I cannot understand because I'm not native speaking. I wouldn't say let's stop creating documentation in English and let's do it in Spanish. If there is the possibility to have that in multiple languages, I think that benefits always. Closing gaps in knowledge isn't easy, especially when creating a hybrid role for yourself. There's obstacles and self-doubt that have to be overcome in order to move forward. I knew it was necessary, but sometimes I was like, why I'm doing this? Because my role is not really asking for that. My former company wasn't saying, you need to be a developer. You need to learn Python and start with machine learning and start applying all that stuff. You only need to know like the high level things of what's going on. For me, it was difficult. For me, it was difficult to go a step back and retake maths, retake statistics, understand better certain programming languages such as Python or Scala. I will say that that was the major blocker for me. But when I overcome that, I was really happy. For me, it was a challenge that I overcome. Even though, as I said, I'm not a developer right now, I know that this is helping me to understand developers. If at some point I want to advance in my role on a different path, I can take that because I already got this experience. Anna had developed confidence in her ability to understand developers, help others, and advance her career in whichever direction she decided to take it. She brings this confidence to her role at the Linux Foundation to-do group, but I was curious about how that transition came about. She was working with Baturgia at the time. I glanced at Baturgia's About page and the picture started to become clear. As a company, Baturgia claims that software development is more than just writing code. It's about, and I quote, the engagement and collaboration of the people involved in its design, development, deployment, and maintenance, and about the process as an activity that turns ideas, feature requests, and requirements into code, end quote. That sounds like the perfect environment to develop an open source leader. Eteria was helping a lot of OSPOs in their OSPO metrics journey. That's why I had a lot of knowledge on open source program offices, more on the metrics and on the metrics strategy of these organizations. Yeah, okay, but what should the primary goal of an OSPO be? How does an OSPO function within an organization and why? In a nutshell, it can be seen as a centralized place to put all the open source activities in a single place and a way to put a strategy on top of the open source efforts that the organization is managing, like how to build, how to educate developers to build secure software, how to deal with licensing and open source compliance, how to engage with the open source community, how to release 
projects as open source or how to contribute upstream to open source projects. Let's put a dedicated person or a dedicated team that is in charge of that, that it's able to put processes and policies on open source and all the open source activities. So this way you can accelerate open source. It turns out that an OSPO can take many different forms. It can be a center for learning, educating developers, building security, licensing and compliance, or engaging with the open source community. Amazon's OSPO won't look the same as Microsoft's, but the shared purpose is to have a strategy in place to tackle problems and accelerate growth. For instance, instead of assigning a person to fix a vulnerability on the fly, you have a dedicated team and established processes in place to help fix the problem and future problems. The to-do group helps create the standards for use by the entire industry. It's an open group of practitioners having an open source program offices or willing to create an open source program offices that are working on tooling, best practices, guides, processes to build open source program offices and enhance this adoption worldwide. Setting standards also means creating a middle ground for technical and non-technical people to meet. Yeah, we're back at that again. For hybrids like Anna, this means teaching technical people how to approach conversations with business managers and vice versa. Hey, when you're trying to talk with the managers and the business people on why you cannot do certain things in such a period of time, and they're still saying, but this is just pressing a button and it's like really frustrating. There's people that can better communicate and speak the language of both. That is what I try to say to tech people. And when I talk with business people as well, to try to explain what I do, I said, I've been developing things, so I know how does work, but I've also studied marketing, so I know how you want, but it's a way to try to better communicate and speak the language in both sides. This approach to acting as a communication liaison between open source relationships and OSPOs differs depending on where an organization lands on the open source learning curve. First, I will need to know what is the culture of that organization. Like sometimes they're, they're really traditional. They're still thinking on, oh, but open source is going to destroy my business. So if they're in that step, that is going to be hard because you first need to let them understand the benefits of open source. That bears repeating. The key to overcoming doubt is to emphasize the benefits of using open source. Define those benefits to make your business case. First, you're trying to innovate. You're trying to accelerate innovation and to drive digital transformation. If you're really into that, you're using open source. And if you're using open source, you should be starting how to give back because open source is a community of communities. It's a different way that dealing with proprietary software, you need to learn and be educated and also educate your whole organization on how to engage with open source. Speaking of benefits, 
I just had to ask Anna about some of her success stories. What has the payoff been for overcoming some of these obstacles? She detailed the feedback she's received from her data science thesis. People wrote to Anna about how her work helped them define metrics and redefine questions, helping them advance their careers. Once I discovered open source, for me, it was like, I discovered like the path, like how I want to become. I don't know how the future is going to take me, but I know it's going to be into open source. That's because I had great mentors that give me this motivation of what is this? How can you engage in the community? How the community works? Anna now shares her knowledge and experience with others. She's paying it forward to create more open source leaders. And maybe that's how we all can move forward. For those of us who aren't tech geeks, the task of transitioning from marketing to data science seems daunting. It is. Going from engineering to business world has its own set of obstacles. But there are plenty of success stories out there to inspire us. You know, maybe we can be hybrids too. There it is again. Great power, great responsibility. We are in our environment and in our ecosystem. And outside that, people doesn't really know the benefits and what open source is. Reaching that people and saying, hey, I'm here to help. And I I'm, I'm just want to help. The same way when I started into open source, I got mentors to taught me open source. I want to be that mentor also for others to learn on open source. Every time I help people to understand open source, for me, it's also a success story because I'm somehow mentoring. I'm helping them to spread the word. Open source is for everyone. For those of us who aren't tech geeks, the task of transitioning from marketing to data science seems daunting because it is. Going from engineering to the business world has its own set of obstacles, but there are plenty of success stories out there to inspire us. You know, maybe we can be hybrids too. I know some people from engineering that went into business because they got that background, like the low level layer of understanding and they move it into more business level because they understand that and they can apply these learnings into business. At some point, it's kind of the same, like they got the best of both worlds. So for Anna, it's not about where you start. It's about the motivation to get you where you want to go, to become who you want to be by helping the people who need you the most. That extra bit of motivation can give someone the superpowers they need for the next step of their journey. A journey across languages, a journey across domains, and the journey across borders. People warn me. A lot of people quit. There were people from business management role, marketing roles that did a data science degree and bachelor's degree, and they quit because it was too much. But I will say that that depends on how motivated you are. If you're able to know how you can take the learnings and apply it in your daily work, that's the key. It doesn't matter if you come from tech to non-tech and you're from non-tech to tech. It's about 
finding the motivation, finding your way. Our program today was produced by the team at the Lennox Foundation, including James McLeod from the Phenos Project, Chip Stewart for promotional management of the series, Melissa Schmidt for graphic design, and Noah Lehman for social media support. The narration for this episode was written by Mark Levesque, with music and soundscapes from Blue Dot Sessions. Our website, where you can listen and download every episode, completely ungated and free, can be found on our GitHub project or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast. Speaking of subscribing, we'd very much appreciate you pressing that subscribe button and becoming part of our growing community. I'm Mark Miller, back next week with another untold story of open source. (laughs) 